ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a podcast and radio show for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And there is no, um, I'm your host, Dr. Father Father Andrew Dickinson, because Father Andrew um, is taking some time away this week, so he will not be joining us. Instead, we have our regular guest co-host. That's scary, regular. I guess regular regular for when we have guest co-host, Renee Leach. Hi, Renee. Hello, everybody. Um, and, And Renee and I today are going to be talking about somebody who... I think gets forgotten a lot. Or I think we both think this person gets forgotten a lot. I agree. Uh, who is this mystery person, Renee? This mystery person is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So, you know, as you know, traditional Christians, um, we believe in in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and we, we know a lot about the Father, especially from the Old Testament. Jesus, obviously the Son from the New Testament. Um, but the Spirit doesn't get as much attention, so to speak. Uh, and, and I think that for a lot of well, I don't know about Christians in Russia, and I think a lot of Catholics, um, we can lose sight, so to speak, of the Holy Spirit. Would you agree? I would agree. But I think it's because, and I'm a very visual person, in my mind I can visualize God, and I can visualize the Father, the Father and I can visualize God the Son, but uh, God the Holy Spirit is the wind. The wind, flames of fire. Um, water. Water, yeah. So we can, obviously we can visualize water, but I think that the, the issue, or I think one reason this Holy Spirit, the Spirit gets forgotten is because um, all those images are, they're, they're not personal. They're not, water isn't people. It's not personified. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas, obviously, we think of God the Father, a lot of people think of, of an old man with a white beard, that sort of thing, which isn't. Obviously accurate. I, I was going to say, you, is that what you envision? I, it's not me, but what do you envision? <laughs> of God the Father? Yes. Um, not an old man with a white no? beard, no, but with but a strong elder, not white, not like, um, who's the wizard on Lord of the Rings? Oh, Gandalf. Yeah, I'd say no? I don't, that's not how that's I envision okay. God. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. So, so in any case, we think of, fa- we think of the Father as... A father, uh, Jesus the Son. We, we we can image the image Jesus. Obviously, we have paintings and sacred art and so on. But the Holy Spirit is also a person. Uh, but but again, those the biblical images for the Holy Spirit are not personal images. Um, they're, they're images of things. And so I think that's one reason why um, the Holy Spirit tends to get neglected. But also, again, there's there's just not a lot about him, even even when he is referred to in the Bible. I think that's part of it. I, I agree. So, um, for, for a number of for those and, and probably other reasons, there's probably all sorts of other reasons, I think a lot of people forget about the Holy Spirit as being the person and think of the Holy Spirit as almost more like the force, like the power of God. <laughs> yeah. Don't you think so? Yeah. Um, where uh, he, it, well, it, I think maybe the way a lot of people, it is, it's, it's available to do your bidding if you know how to control it. Right. Um, but that's not. That's not. What That's he, not what he is, is like. 
you know, we read in the creed that we, we pray in the creed. Um, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. So the Holy Spirit, just in that 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 recitation, that procl- the, the, the profession of faith that we make every week at Mass, He is Lord and giver of life. Uh, and I think there's a lot of, that we could say there, but He is Lord. I mean, He is equal in stature to the Father and the, and son. the son. Um and, and, and I think that's something that we need to remember. And, and part of why Renee and I are talking about this is because we as a staff and then some other, other small groups in our diocese are going through a faith study focusing on life in the Spirit and the importance of living in the Spirit. Just in, in general terms, Renee, how you, like, what has your relationship with the Holy Spirit been like, whether that's at points, at previous points in your life, or today? Well, previously, before the the last month, he he was the forgotten person in the Trinity. Um, never really, um, never. I I didn't consciously pray to him. I didn't wasn't maybe consciously aware that he was acting in my life or anything. And um, since we've started this um, this faith study. Um, I'm, I am now ever increasingly aware of the Holy Spirit, and, and, and to be honest with you, there's a part of me that's a little frightened by it, because um, when you call on the Holy Spirit, um, you're pretty much guaranteed that He's going to show up, and um, are you prepared for what that means and what that's going to bring? Right. Yeah, be careful what you ask for. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so some things I think that... that at least strike me. What one of the analogies in the study that we're using talks about the chocolate milk analogy. Do you, if you, do you remember the chocolate milk analogy? I do. Can you explain? I it? do. Um, it, the analogy is is taking a glass of milk and um, putting chocolate in it, and what happens to that chocolate? And it's kind of our faith life um, that we have. Um, you have to ask for it, so you have to do something with it, and then. Um, you stir chocolate in your milk, and then it becomes this luscious, yummy drink, and <laughs> and is and is better um, than just a plain old glass of milk. And that's how our faith life can be with the Holy Spirit, is if we ask Him to come in. Right. And what happens if we don't stir it up? If we don't stir it up, it kind of sinks to the bottom. Right. So you get the milk on top, and the the layer of chocolate syrup at the bottom. So the, and, and what I love about the analogy, because we are given, it's not that we're not given, it's not that the Holy Spirit has entered. When we're baptized, even, even most of us uh, um, uh, as Catholics and many other Christians baptize, are baptized as infants, we were given the Holy Spirit. We became temples of the Holy Spirit at our baptism. And then for many, uh, maybe early in high school, sometimes younger, we receive, again, a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit at confirmation. And then all the other sacraments also, we receive the gift, the power of the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit himself. Um, but what do we do with well, him? And I think, and that's such a powerful example, Chris, because I think we forget um, that there is actually something happening at at baptism and confirmation in those sacraments. It's not a symbol. Mm. It's not a sign there is something actually happening. The Holy Spirit is being given to us. The graces of the Holy Spirit are being given to us. And um, I think we take, and that, again, it's the forgotten the forgotten part of that. It's, it's so much more than just, you know, confirmation is so much more than the, 
than the just going through the motions. It's it's the gifts that come with that. Absolutely. And the greatest gift being God himself. And we receive all three persons. Right. Here we're focusing on on the Holy Spirit. But again, that, that the image of, of the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if we look at the Old Testament, um, actually just we're recording this um, on Wednesday the 29th. And the... Renee, do you remember the first reading at Mass today? I do not. Okay. <laughs> Honesty... <laughs> Honesty is the best policy. Good for you, Renee. I don't want to have to go to confession. So the first reading was about, it's it's from, um, I think, the second book of Samuel in the Old Testament. You remember now? Yes, I do. So so what what do we what do we read about in and what were we in the third week of ordinary time uh, in the first reading on Wednesday? Uh, it was um, about God came to David through Nathan, Nathan in a vision and. David wanted to build a temple for God, and God said, "No, I will no. build a temple for a house for you, a yes. dynasty." So yes. that's a, but but so this is continuing earlier. I think yesterday um, in the mass readings, so David has this desire to build, as you said, this this temple, a house for the Lord. Up to this point, um, the the well, what is that? Do you recall uh, what, what 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 do you mean a house? I mean God's pure spirit. So. What is that? Do you have any recollection of what was going on there? Well, it's the Ark of the Covenant. Exactly. So the Ark of the Covenant um, uh, is this place where God, this 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 glory cloud. I mean, this this cloud of divine glory would descend upon the Ark of the Covenant, which was it within the tabernacle, this portable tent structure. I I, I found that actually um, a little humorous um, because it tells me that. God enjoys camping in the in, the, in <laughs> that's, nature. That's true. There we go. <laughs> he was okay with that. That's right. So, but it goes all the way back to Mount Sinai, where Moses has this right. vision from God: build this this structure, this portable tent structure, this tabernacle, and, and the Ark of the Covenant um, is is put in the Holy of Holies, and 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 literally this cloud of divine glory would descend upon it as a sign that God truly was dwelling in a particular way with his people. So if you fast forward several centuries to the time, or a few centuries at least, to the time of, of uh, King David, he's dwelling now in this magnificent palace. And yet the Ark of the Covenant is still in uh, uh, this tent. tent. And you know, I'm going to build this, you know, and like, no, 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 I'm going to do something great for you. I, I've been doing this for centuries and... I'm good, so to speak. Now, David's son Solomon would, in fact, build um, a beautiful temple. temple. Uh, but but it's that temple. So 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 Solomon would be the one who builds this this um, incredible temple for God. It's sort of more, a solid structure that replaces the tabernacle, and that's where God would dwell until the Ark of the Covenant was lost. Blah blah blah. If you see, if you don't know the history, see Raiders of the Lost Ark, and that'll explain it's it. It's all there. It's all there. <laughs> so. Um, so, so this temple for God, we become at baptism temples of the Holy Spirit. So as if this divine, this cloud of divine glory, God himself would dwell with his people in the, the, the tent built by Solomon and then rebuilt by Herod the Great at the time of Jesus, um, we become even greater than that in wrap, our baptism. And wrap your head around that. Right, exactly. Wrap your brain around the fact that we are... The temple of the Holy Spirit, and should that knowledge affect how we eat and how we take care of our bodies and how, I mean, and our souls and our souls, 
Yeah, Absolutely. wrap your head around that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> think, think on that for a bit. And by the way, just we the 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 fact that the 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 mass readings are about that to me is just providential because I, I and it wasn't until we started literally this this discussion. discussion that I thought of that. So. So we are we are truly temples of the Holy Spirit. We're going back to the chocolate milk analogy. We're given the, the Spirit, not just His gifts, not just His power, not just His grace. We are given the Spirit when we're baptized, when we're confirmed in a, those two sacraments in a particular way, and as I said earlier, the other sacraments as well. But but God desires that we would work with Him and cooperate with Him, right. and we have to allow Him to stir up the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not that we have to stir up the milk. It's God who stirs it, but we have to allow him. We have to be open. We have to be open, exactly. Um, So I think that's one thing to keep in mind, that we have received, and and, and we we only lose this Holy Spirit if we sin mortally, and we can always get that relationship back through through, um, er, confession if we commit a a serious sin, a mortal sin. But but apart from that, we always have the gift and the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. We just need to allow him to do his thing in our lives. We have to allow God to stir up the spirit within our lives. And, and I, part of that, I think, comes down to um, I'm, I'm personally a control freak. And so it's, in my case, it's stepping back and not trying to control what my circumstances are, what the events of the day are, but to step back and let God, the Holy Spirit, work in my day and... Um, how, you know, how is he going to work in my day? What is his plan for my day? And being mindful of that. Right, right. And that leads me, you know, another another um, thought or, or a key theme to me with about life in the spirit is is what what again the, the faith study that we're using calls is the choose and ask model. So what we have to do in our in our, our life, in our relationship with God, particularly talking about the Holy Spirit, we choose each day, each moment to put God, to put the Spirit at the center. You know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're focusing on the Spirit here. We have to choose always to make God the, the greatest priority um, in our life. Beyond that, once we've made the decision, we then ask him to, again, what we were just saying a moment ago, ask him to do his thing in our life, to, 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 to stir up the power of the Spirit in our life. We choose God, and then we ask Him to pour out the Holy Spirit. Fill me with chocolate syrup, so to speak. <laughs> I um, love that analogy. Yeah, I, I, I know you do. Um, and, and we know that this is one of the things in, in, in Luke, there, there are a few places in the gospel, but one in particular to focus on Luke, it's either 13, 11 or 11, 13. I can't remember right now. Do you, do you remember I which it is? Remember. It's 11, 13. If you then who are evil or who are wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So a lot of times we read in the Bible about persevering in prayer. And Jesus talks about, particularly in the Gospels, Jesus talks about persevering in prayer. Knock and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Asking you shall receive. Da, 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 da. And then a lot of people, when we talk about prayer life, particularly when we, prayer is a petition, when we're asking for things for ourselves or for, for loved ones or whatever, um, people will say, well, but God doesn't answer my prayers. And the, one of the standard responses, well, yes, he does, but in his own way, in his own time. Maybe what you asked for is not the greatest thing or the right thing for you, at least right now. So God will answer our prayers in his way and in his time. With this verse, however, he answers it in just that way and immediately. 
So when we when we pray to God, we ask Him, you know, come Holy Spirit, you know, Lord, send forth your send send your Holy Spirit upon me, give me the Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. However, you know, whatever the the specific verbiage is, we can have confidence that He will, that He will answer that prayer um, in in the in exactly the way that we ask it. God always wants to give us the Spirit. That's there, there's there's not well no no now is not the right time or. Um, he will always give us now what the spirit will do. And this goes back to what you mentioned before, the control freak issues, um, <laughs> what the Holy spirit will do. We don't necessarily know, but if we ask for the spirit, he will come and, and dwell within us again as a temple. Exactly. Any, any other thoughts on that? Choose an ask model that you, I think we should, I th- I love the choose and ask. I, th- I think the challenge becomes being brave enough to ask um why why do you think that requires bravery or courage because when you because when you ask for the holy spirit you're going to get the holy spirit and um when you think about what that means um it could be life-changing right yeah, and so there's there's another the sailboat analogy is another analogy that's used. So with the choose and ask thing, um, what do you need to do with a sailboat in order for it to go anywhere? Uh, you need to put up the sail. You need to put up the sail. So if you just have the mast standing there, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not. You're just going to sit dead in the water. Yeah, so you have to put the sail up. So that's where we choose to make God the center of our lives. We choose to to make him the priority so we raise the sail but having the sail up that by itself does not guarantee that you'll go anywhere no because you don't know where the wind is going to blow yes so so that's where we ask come holy spirit and the wind will blow but as you just said and as we've said earlier we don't know where he will blow us that's right yeah so so it's raising the sail putting god at the center uh, and then come holy spirit asking him to come and he will he but will. He may not lead us to the par- port or the harbor. That he may take us further out to sea. And I would recommend that you never say never. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so, so again, that you know, and and then you know, so what do you do with the control issue thing, though? I uh, personally, I pray about it constantly and trust that God's will is is greater is better than my own. Any what He has planned for me is better than anything I can come up with. Cool. Right. On my own. And I think that's where uh, that's an, uh, another opportunity to ask for the grace and the presence of the Holy Spirit to overcome the fears that we right. have. But I think sometimes that comes with um, experience and having to, you know, it comes with experience on your journey of faith is is that that trust. Yeah. Because um, I certainly didn't have it when I was 18 and I certainly didn't have it when I was 25 and and I'm a lot older than that now, and there are times where I still struggle with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And one of the things that we've talked about in our, in our um, small group is um, the, the maturation that comes through trials. I mean, that's, that's why, it's one reason why God allows us, allows us to face trials, to, to grow, to, to grow, to toughen up, as one mm-hmm. of the, our, our priest participants put it the other day. Yes. Um, so, so I think that's why when, when you're 18 or 25, why we don't have that, that depth yet, because we haven't faced the trials and endured the trials that allow us to grow and deepen our relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I think it's a good reminder to not be afraid of those trials. Um, 
when you're watching those that you love go through those or um or when yourself when you yourself are going through them I think it's important to um not ask why um did God put this in my life why am I having to struggle with this but to ask what is God trying to teach me what lesson do I need to learn through this what what part of of my of my sinful nature do I need to give up in this instant to become a better Christian and more faith-filled? It's not that you can't ask why. You shouldn't stop there. You can Correct. ask why, but right. then... I don't think you should get stuck on the why. Right. Okay. Um, and the last thing, we've got about seven minutes or so left uh, today. There, there's a, a passage from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians that I want to read, and, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. So this is from um, chapter 3 of uh, St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, verses 1 through 3. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun with the Spirit, are you now ending with the flesh? And I'll read it once more. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun with the Spirit, are you now ending with the flesh? So the way that, that the, the study that we're using uh, describes the, the spiritual issue that Paul is talking about with not just the Galatians, but it also applies to us, is the Galatians trap. What is the Galatians trap? The Galatians trap is believing that we can earn our salvation by our works and things that we do on our own without uh, the gift of God's mercy and grace given through Jesus Christ. Okay, but you know, so you're talking about so so. But in in the letter of Saint James, he says that faith without works is dead. <laughs> And this is Chris playing the devil's advocate well, that's here. That's what I do well. <laughs> no, but, but, but are you saying that we shouldn't do works? Are works bad? No, it's we have to be mindful of why we are doing the works and where our heart is. Are we doing the works because we love God and want to please God, or are we doing the works um, to, to kind of check off if I do this, this, and this, I'm going to earn my way into heaven. Right. Why are you doing it? So okay, I don't know if you remember how you put it, because you put it very well, and then I started devil's advocating. But what, again, is the Galatians trap? The Galatians trap is that we think that we can uh, earn our way into heaven by um, completing certain tasks or following certain laws instead of the fact that um, we it, our salvation was given to us as a gift by God through his son Jesus Christ. Right. So we receive which we receive by faith. By faith. So faith which works out through the sacraments. I mean, what does it look like to receive the what we have faith and and but that includes baptism and so on. But we receive the point is we first receive the gift of salvation from God. Correct. And then we respond to him in love. We respond to that gift. So it's faith and works. And works the, the thing about I think one of the challenges with using the term works is what we're talking about here is love. We're, and, and Jesus said the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and, so, and strength, and so on, and love your neighbor as yourself. When we, I think sometimes we get caught up, particularly in Catholic, Protestant 
arguments, frankly, um, we, we can we can make this, we sort of reduce, we forget what we're talking about when we're talking about the faith and about the works. With the works, we're talking about loving God and loving our neighbor. And that's what we're called to do. Jesus, in all sorts of places in the, in, in the Gospels, Jesus talks about how um, the, the importance of loving our neighbor. In Matthews 25, we're supposed to love other people. Absolutely. What you do for the least of these, you do for me. Exactly. Absolutely. So... So when we say, we talk about the Galatians trap and, and we talk about how we can't earn our way to salvation, that doesn't mean the, the other, I think the opposite error, uh, on the one hand, at one extreme, you have the idea that just by being a good person, I can earn my way to heaven. The other extreme is, well, I don't have to do anything. I just believe. Yeah. So it, I don't have to, my, I don't have to live my life accordingly. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's got to be both. Again, what, one of the, the, there's this car analogy that's used, you know, you, you will not go anywhere if there is no gas in the tank. We have to we receive from God the grace, the gift of salvation. But just having gas in the tank doesn't mean the car's good. We have to get in. We start the car. We put it in gear. You have to maintain it. You have to maintain it. We 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 work with God. He gives us. He loves us first, as as John says in I think First John, one of his letters. But then we respond to Him with our own love for Him and for our neighbor. Uh, so He gives us the gift, and then we respond. It's a it's a relationship. Exactly. So so. Paul, I think the important thing for for Paul that one of the things with this whole the Galatians trap issue um, is remembering that, that God has given me these gifts and so on, and that I don't earn my salvation as if I can get to heaven on my own effort. That He gives me the grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Correct. So we have about uh, two, um, two minutes left. Any anything else with the Galatians trap that you want to mention or highlight? Um. I know one of the one of the comments that came um, during our discussion on Tuesday was um, that during that reading, in some in some tr- uh, translations of the Bible, um, the word is stupid and foolish. Oh, and, stupid Galatians! Yeah, yes, he, he was obviously very very upset with them. Um, and I, it, it's just an example um, for me that. Um, even, even, even the apostles got frustrated right. during their ministry and 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 got discouraged. But um, you have to keep your eye on the prize and and what what the end of the journey is. Absolutely, and I think one of the things, the other thing for me from this is. You know, it's not just about being involved and and being active. And you, you talked about this volunteering, the other day. volunteering yeah. for this and that. everything. Those are those can be good things. If we're called to do that, we should do them. But but that's but we don't do that because oh, if I if I just do this, God's going to be you know happy with me and then He'll let me into heaven. My mantra is kind of if you if you, when you volunteer, if you can't do it with a joyful heart, then you shouldn't be doing right, it. Right, because the point is not to earn our way to heaven by our involvement in our parish. Exactly. Or by being, it's responding to the relationship that God offers us and that he has with us. Exactly. Amen. Okay, um, that wraps up this episode of Ignition. Thanks for being here, Renee. You're very welcome. And we will be back next week with another episode of Ignition. Thanks for listening and may God bless you. And again, if you have any questions, ideas for future episodes, um, complaints about past episodes, uh, questions about this or any other episode, email me, Chris Bergwald. Um, The email address is cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org.